If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Warm up from me low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Just Ghost Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Pierce. And now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast says... We've got a great podcast for you. As in the second segment, we are going to be joined by one of our good friends, Rocco Miller. He does a great job over there at Bracketeer.org. A man that, if you take a look at the landscape of college basketball, he has a big impact because he helps schedule a lot of these non-conference games. He winds up keeping a lot of these multi-team events all straight. So he winds up playing just a big role into everything that we wind up seeing, especially during the non-conference portion of the college basketball season. We're going to be talking with him about the newly released Maui Invitational Bracket, what we could wind up seeing from that, because there are going to be some bombers out there in terms of matchups, and I mean, we could wind up seeing something like a Cincinnati versus Louisville 7th place game that is that loaded, so we're going to be talking to him about that. We're also going to be taking a look at some of the main majors out here on the West Coast. San Diego State is going to be in that bracket, and for those of you guys who were listening to the podcast yesterday, you know that I wound up doing my Mountain West preview, so we are going to be talking about them. We're going to be talking about the WAC and how they are trying to be able to build up their conference a little bit more. They're going to be going to Kempom rankings in terms of the way that they wind up seeing their conference tournament, but he's going to be talking about the football aspect of things and how important that is going to be for this conference moving forward as well. So we've got a lot to talk about there, and typically I wind up doing the news and notes of college basketball in the final segment. I'm going to do them in segment number one because we've really only got a few guys that wind up moving around, but... I do think that they are worth addressing on this podcast, so we're going to be diving into that. So just a two-segment show, and if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNNRNSquart1. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, them from there, you are able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And like I said, we're going to hit the news and notes of college basketball in this segment because while I was doing my Mountain West preview yesterday, we did wind up seeing Ogano Kingsley, hopefully I say this one correctly, Onyesono. Hopefully I want up not butchering that. I apologize to the gentleman in Ogana if I want up messing that up. But with that said, he was someone that was looking like a top prospect for the class of 2023. Now he winds up giving Kentucky a little bit of depth for the class of 2022. And we are seeing more and more guys wind up reclassifying. He is a seven-footer that is going to be helping out Kentucky, as we know. They've got Oscar Shibway, and you've got to figure that this is not going to be a guy that's going to be playing like 30 minutes a night or anything like that. But 
according to Adam Finkelstein, does a great job with recruiting. He's a 7-footer with a 7-foot-5 wingspan. Terrific on defense. Offense is a little bit of a work in progress. Offense is a little bit of a work in progress, and I do think that Kentucky's certainly going to be advanced on the defensive side of the ball, but we are noticing this more and more with guys. They are reclassifying, and we are seeing some of these last-at-the-gun sort of decisions being made as well because, as we know, for a lot of colleges, classes, they wind up getting started up super-duper late August into early September. So it is going to be interesting to see if we wind up having more news like this because we did wind up seeing a pair of other guys wind up making transfer moves over the last 48 hours as Jamarius Harrison has decided that he is going to be going to East Tennessee State, a 6.05 little bit of a combo player that was limited to just Eight games last season. He wound up playing 12 this season before at a 91 school in Lace McRae that is out there in the southern part of the country, but was able to put up some nice numbers in two seasons, really only 20 games in total. He did wind up averaging 13 points per contest. He was able to shoot about 79% at the free throw line. Not a guy that had any interest in rebounding whatsoever, but able to give this team about a 36.5% three-point shooting force with winding up losing the Brewer brothers. That's going to be big for ETSU. That is going to be a mid-major program and conference because the SoCon, one of the back half of the Alphabet Conferences that I'm going to be previewing a little bit later on this summer and the Ohio Valley Conference preview. That is going to be coming relatively soon as well. I'm going to try to do that either very, very late this week or perhaps next week. But big news in terms of that conference with Morehead State, now with Murray State along with Belmont being out of the fold, they wind up getting a very good get. Jalen Hawkins, he last season was able to put up some very big numbers at Norfolk State. It looked like he was going to be going to Iona. Iona, a school I'm going to be previewing within the next 24 to 48 hours out there in the Metro Atlantic Conference. I still have them by the way. As a top team out there in that conference, I don't think that that should come as any sort of a shock, but with Hawkins last season, was able to shoot 35.5% from three, actually down from the 43.8% they shot when Norfolk State wound up being able to make the NCAA tournament, but wound up being able to register 13 points per contest. Guy that's able to give you three and a half boards. Someone from the Bronx, New York. He is going to be going to Morehead State. Morehead State, as we know, they were cleaning up last year with G&I Broom. Losing him is a substantial loss, and there's just nobody that you're going to be able to replace him with in mid-major college basketball, but you can tell that Morehead State, they're looking a little bit more fortified out there in the backcourt. I think that they've actually done a relatively solid job of being able to put this roster together. They wind up bringing in Mark Freeman, who has a little bit of experience out there in the OVC. Last year was at Illinois State, was at Tennessee State before then, so he's a guy that's able to handle the ball and needs to work on the turnovers, but that is a nice sign for this team. Jake Wolf is someone that I think has a little bit of upside as well, so going to be interesting to take a look at them moving forward. So we've got a lot that's going to be on tap for this conference and we're rounding up all this news that is happening and part of the news that we're seeing, the Maui Invitational Bracket, it is now out. A man that does a great job with regards to scheduling and all that we're going to get during the non-conference portion of the season. That is our good friend Rocco Miller, the bracketeer himself. He is going to be joining me next as we've got a lot to talk about with him on the other side right here on Coast Coast Soups with myself, Greg Spears, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews 
with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Cups and Cups with myself, Greg Yip Spears, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest, as Rocco Miller. Does an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. You're going to catch him at Bracketeer.org. And even though his name is the Bracketeer, he does a great job taking a look at schedules as well. Doing a great job being able to get a lot of these out. I know that the Maui Invitational Bracket wanted coming out just a few hours before we wound up recording this. Rocco is hard at work taking a look at all that we're going to be getting for this upcoming college basketball season. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at Rocco Miller and then the number eight at Rocco. It is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Greg, great to be back on. How you doing? I'm doing great. And first things first, you alerted me to this. Just before we wind up coming on to this show, the Maui Invitational Bracket is out. Inform the people of what we're going to be getting in Maui this year because, for one, thank goodness it's actually going to be back in Maui this season. Now, it was on the Ninth Island last season in Nevada, so if you couldn't have it in the state of Hawaii, it was pretty much as close as you could get. Asheville, North Carolina was a little bit random, but I mean, the good folks over there at Maui, they always do an amazing job with this event, but it should be a really good one, and I know that the bracket is set up to where we're going to be able to get some big matchups. Absolutely, Greg. So just to give folks some background on where we're at this season, two years ago, the first COVID season of college basketball, everything got moved to Asheville in the last effort way to save the tournament. So we had that kind of crazy Asheville event with a classic championship game, Texas winning on a buzzer beater to beat North Carolina in the championship that year. Last year, of course, you just mentioned it, moved to Vegas. Big surprise, in my opinion, where Wisconsin upset Houston and Wisconsin took out St. Mary's in the championship put Wisconsin on the map for what ended up being a surprisingly great season and the coming out party for Johnny Davis, I might add. So this year, um, we are finally back in Maui, as you said. The background here is a few years back, a Chaminade, who's always been in this event and was in it last year, has taken a step back and worked with the powers that be to preserve their place. But the new arrangement is Chaminade's only going to be in the field every other season. So you will not see the Silver Swords this year. You will see them in a year And what that has allowed for is eight extremely competitive programs, big name programs. And the top half of the bracket, you know, the opening game is probably the best game of the day. It's Texas Tech against Creighton. Texas Tech has just had wild success in the last few years, highlighted by a national championship game appearance in uh, 2019. Creighton, of course, with Baylor Shireman coming in and a ton of guys returning have huge expectations. Some people putting them as high as the top five nationally. Just a blockbuster to kick the whole thing off. And then immediately following that, you know, Arkansas is a team that has huge expectations with a big recruiting class. Number one recruiting class, I believe, coming in on top of all the transfers and other players they have coming back, taking on Louisville, who's rebuilding, but obviously has the big brand name. Louisville's a team, I think, when you look at this whole field, is in danger of maybe going 0-3. You look at the bottom half of the bracket real quick, Greg, and you see San Diego State, another team much like Creighton, with some of the highest expectations you've probably ever seen in a very successful Aztec program. Some have them pretty close to the top 10. A lot have them in the top 15 going into the year. They'll play a very big national brand in Ohio State in the first game, where really kind of anything's possible in the opener between those two. The nightcap will be Arizona, who looks to replenish two great players, Christian Coloco and Benedict 
Matherin are both gone, but they do have quite a bit of talent coming in and enough pieces back from last year to, to feel comfortable that they should be able to beat Cincinnati, their first opponent. Now, Cincinnati has a good amount of players back. West Miller just finished his first year. I do expect the Bearcats to be much more competitive in year two under Miller. Top to bottom, you just have all sorts of intrigue, all four games, and then, you know, winners play winners, losers play losers. So it should be a great event. I'm just taking a look at this bracket as we do have Rocco Miller joining me on the podcast. And among any multi-team event that has at least eight teams, because we know that sometimes you have like your Champions Classic or whatever, and that's actually a one-off where it's not actually a multi-team event. It's just more or less a one-off to kick off the season. But I mean, any event that has at least eight teams, I cannot remember seeing a more loaded field ever because when it comes to multi-team events, you can only really have one team in from every single conference. So they want to really getting the best of the best, in my opinion. And I mean, Louisville and Cincinnati, as I take a look at it, these are the bottom <laughs> two teams in the entire bracket. And I mean, when Louisville and Cincinnati are your bottom two teams in any sort of a tournament, you know it's loaded. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was looking at really closely this morning and last night. You know, Matt Norlander, I think, put it out pretty late last night as a kind of a first glimpse. But seeing the bracket officially announced, you could easily see Louisville-Cincinnati, two very historical rivals locally there, regional rivalry. And they're actually looking to start a series starting next year, possibly looking at playing each other in the seventh place game. It's not like your typical seventh place game, both teams have lost two. That's a seventh place game where both teams would really get after each other and be desperate for a win. And you have the rivalry element in there. You also have the potential of Cincinnati, if they do in fact lose to Arizona in the opener, playing Ohio State, a big in-state game for their fan base in the loser's bracket. So the loser's bracket for Cincinnati might actually be more exciting than their first game against Arizona. God forbid they lose that opener, but if they do, there's some amazing matchups that could be in store. Now, again, Ohio State could easily win. Louisville could win somewhere as well. It's just kind of fun to look at at this point. All those scenarios exist on the winner side as well. And I mean, who knows? I wanted saying that I think that those are the bottom two teams. But I mean, for all we know, Cincinnati might wind up winning the whole thing because, I mean, these are going to be right. very competitive teams. These are going to be tight point spreads when they wind up coming out when it's all said and done. And one of those teams in there is San Diego State. As you to be on the podcast, we do have Rocco Miller. And either just before or just after we wind up doing this interview, I'm going to have my Mountain West preview on. They're my number one team out there in the Mountain West. And I take a look at San Diego State, and I think that this is a team that they've got a lot to be able to build around, like I said. This might wind up coming out the day before my Mountain West preview. This might wind up coming out the day after. But I take a look at the Mountain West, and are they probably going to be able to get as many teams in the NCAA tournament as they did last season? I think not. But at the same time, the Mountain West is still a very powerful program, and I do think that a lot of what winds up happening with the Mountain West, it is going to be reliant upon San Diego State, a team that year in and year out, as we both know, they schedule very well. And a good showing for San Diego State in this tournament, I think is going to go a long way for the Mountain West trying to be able to sort of rebuild their image after last year. They wound up having a rough go of it in the NCAA tournament. I do think that it is unfair that they've taken as much flack in the offseason as they have for the NCAA tournament. Certainly was not good, but at the same time, I don't think it should waste away what was a really good year for them. But I just take a look at the San Diego State team and the fact that now it's not going to have to be Matt Bradley all by himself on the offensive end, I think is going to do the Aztecs a lot of good. Definitely. And, and they're a very loaded team, um, as you mentioned, Greg. And, you know, the Mountain West could really use San Diego State to be kind of that premier team that sticks around the top 20 of the net all year long, maybe top 15. 
And then towards the end of the year, if they have a couple teams on the bubble, perhaps a Colorado State, a Boise State, a Utah State, maybe even a UNLV, you knock off San Diego State late in the year in their a quad 1A game, that could actually help from a mathematical and analytical and bracketology standpoint, push another team into the field. You know, last year they were able to get four teams in. San Diego State played extremely well down the stretch. You know, of course, didn't pull through in that game against Michigan in the NCAA tournament, but all the way up until that point, lost a heartbreaker in the Mountain West Finals. I think they went 12-2 and two in their last 14 games. It was an unconventional way to get four bids. You know, Wyoming was the last team selected. Colorado State was safely in, and Boise got in by playing such a great regular season in the, in the league. They didn't have particularly the best non-conference season, but they made up for it. This year, you know, we don't know how it's going to play out, but if San Diego State's everything we think they are, um, that's going to give other teams in the league, like the ones I mentioned, the opportunity to pick up a win at home, or maybe even if anybody can get that win at Viejas, that's going to do wonders for their resume to pull an extra team in. You know, we'll see if that's going to be three this year, if it's going to be four, maybe up to five. We just don't know. Obviously, these non-conference appearances will be huge, not only for um, San Diego State, but what teams like Wyoming do in their tournament, what Colorado State does, what Boise State does. I mean, all of that will factor into the final math. But you're right. This league doesn't get the respect it deserves because I do think more often than not, they don't perform well in the NCAA tournament. For one reason or another, I think a lot of that has to do with the travel. It really is the most appropriately named conference anywhere. It is a group of mountain schools and a group of west schools. And no matter which side you're on, you have to travel back and forth from altitude all year long. That takes a toll on a team. There's data to back that up. Those are some of the toughest home court advantages anywhere in the United States, just playing at elevation that often. And if you're used to doing it as a home game, it's a little tougher for you to come back down to sea level. So there's just so much of that that plays into it. They're obviously not dominant teams enough to waltz through a first round NCAA game. Now, hopefully this year, San Diego State will have that kind of team as they have before. But this is why a lot of times I think Mountain West is a little underwhelming in the NCAAs. Yeah, it certainly has been a case of which we've seen the Mountain West have a couple of struggles in the NCAA tournament. But I do think that this could be a year in which things wind up turning around for the Mountain West and really just the West Coast in general is full of teams that are going to be very competitive, in my opinion, and conferences that have really been able to rise up because I'm taking a look at some of the bigger majors out there in all of college basketball. And it's going to be interesting to see what winds up happening with the WAC this year, a conference that a few years ago, it looked like the WAC might be going the way of the Dodo bird. It might become extinct, but instead they did a very smart thing, pretty much teaming up with the Southland. And I mean, for lack of a better term, they wound up getting all the Southland's best teams from that conference, like Stephen F. Austin, they want to bring in Abilene Christian and company, and now they're going to be doing something to where they're going to be utilizing Kempom rankings to wind up seeding their conference tournament. Part of me thinks that this is very smart, and part of me does wind up pushing me the wrong way just because when it comes down to it, what you'd hate to see is two teams are like 11-3 and three in the conference, 12-3, and three, something like that, duking it out. Team winds up winning on a buzzer beater, but because of Kempom scores, the team that winds up winning the game, they wind up getting the worst seed. When it comes to the conference tournament, that's something that I really don't want to see. But at the same time, I totally understand why the WAC wants to do it and why the WAC wants to be able to get the best representative humanly possible into the NCAA tournament. But I take a look at what the WAC has done, and this has been one of the best run mid-majors out there in all of college basketball. And I take a look at the teams in the conference, even with New Mexico State losing their coach, they bring in Theo Pinson. Utah Valley's been able to build themselves up, like I mentioned, with Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, those schools coming in as big, and Cal Baptist, a school that just five years ago was at the D2 level, 
they look like a team that could legitimately make the NCAA tournament this year. Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting because a few facts about the WAC just historically, going back to the 09-2010 uh, season, New Mexico State's won every WAC tournament except for three. And then the three that they didn't win, I went back and did a tweet about this a, a few weeks ago. The three they didn't win, the team that did win, had no more than three league losses during the league season. It was a team that entered the conference tournament in a strong position, basically took that auto bib, which at the end of the day is what the league cares about. So basically for the last 13 years, the WAC has not sent a team to the NCAA tournament that was more of like a Cinderella during championship week. They've always sent a strong team. I don't think this year it will be much different. There are seven very solid teams, as I think there were last year. You know, New Mexico State, Grand Canyon were a little bit of a cut above last year. Seattle U was an awesome story. They got a co-championship. We saw Stephen F. Austin get a co-championship last year as well. We had a three-way tie. And I think this is where I have the, I don't think they've announced this yet, but where I have the biggest beef is last year they did that ladder bracket where top two get a buy all the way to the semis, three and four seeds get a buy all the way to the quarters, and everybody else before that, you're kind of in a, such an uphill battle really not realistic you're going to win the auto bid with trying to get through those many rounds while the top two teams are getting buys. And so Utah Valley, for example, out of seven strong teams, finished seventh. Fardaz Amok was the dominant big man, but they lost some tiebreakers, ended up the seventh seed. They really had no chance to win that tournament. So I think what the WAC has to take a look at is just fix that ladder format. If you want to give the top two a first round buy, I think that's okay. But right now the margins are too thin. And it's not like New Mexico State's running away with the league anymore. I think that needs to be addressed. If that's addressed, I'm not too concerned about the seeding because the cream's always going to rise to the top in the conference tournament, in my opinion, in this league. There's such a drop-off, I think, after the top seven down to the next group of teams. We do welcome UT Arlington to the WAC this year, as well as Southern Utah. Southern Utah had a strong team the last couple of years. I think they're reloading this year. I'm not expecting as much out of them. But you look at Cal Baptist, this will be their first year eligible for the NCAA tournament. And they have really loaded up and geared up here with a great roster. They're going to make a run at this thing. Grand Canyon's established. New Mexico State's got a coaching change, but they're going to be really, really talented. Sam Houston, their top six guys are all seniors. They're going to be a threat. Stephen F. Austin's always a threat. And the list goes on and on. So it's going to be a heck of a year. I don't know if there's any way we could see two two bids because I think there's just too much cannibalism going to happen in the regular season. Even if one or two of these teams have a great non-conference I just think you're not getting through this league without three or four losses. And then my final thought on the seeding, as you brought up, is just that, you know, some of these teams will play far weaker conference schedules than others. So if they want to use the Kempom formula to make it a little bit more fair, we've already had that here in the WCC. At the end of the day, I don't think it makes a huge difference unless there's that ladder style bracket. Again, Greg, I think that's the key. Yep, I do think that that is very important to take a look at. And we're just seeing so many different ways in which mid-majors are trying to protect their top teams. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Rocco Miller. And one thing that does wind up rubbing me the wrong way a little bit when it comes to conference tournaments is seeing things like we wound up seeing in the 2016 NCAA tournament where you've got a team like Holy Cross that was in the bottom three of their conference. And Holy Cross, they wind up getting hot for three or four days in the conference tournament. And they make the NCAA tournament after they had we're going to call it what it is, a bad year to say the least. Those are the things that I do feel like mid-majors, they do want to avoid because when you wind up getting at a team that is below 500 in the NCAA tournament, it does not really reflect well on your conference. But at the same time, I do think that the WAC might be wind up going to a little bit too much of an extreme. To your point, like I said, I would just hate to see a scenario where you've got two top teams, you wind up seeing one team wind up winning in thrilling fashion and they wind up getting a lower seed because the Kempom rankings has one team like 
two points above the other. That is just something that, personally, I do fear seeing, and I do think that that would be a little bit tough. But at the same time, I think that, honestly, when you take a look at being able to protect some of these top teams, I think that the WCC has done a very good job where you do wind up giving a team like a Gonzaga that year in and year out, they're going to be a top two team out there in the WCC. And for that matter, if they don't wind up finishing number one, it's a big surprise to everyone, but they pretty much wind up getting a bye into the semifinal where it's somewhat like a stepladder format, not necessarily quite full step ladder, but it's pretty darn close to that. And I do think that that's one of the better ways to be able to protect some of these teams. Maybe you wind up going back to the true home floors like we wind up seeing in, for instance, the NEC. But I do think that these conferences, they should be doing everything possible to be able to protect their teams that they do wind up having monstrous years in conference. But at the same time, you do want it to be one of those cases in which it is settled on the court. You do want it settled on the court. You know, I agree with the WCC format just from the standpoint of, you know, Gonzaga is so dominant. A lot of years, they don't even lose a league game. You know, last year they lost one. Maybe every year they lose about one on average. But if you have that dominant of a team, you need to protect that team. Even though Gonzaga is in a situation where they don't need the, the automatic bid, it's really there to protect the integrity of the conference as well as reward your champion. Now, I think in the WAC, they really got to look at this again after a year. We've got a situation where New Mexico State and Sam Houston head to the Conference USA after this season. So this has to be readdressed next year. I think we're looking at an even more balanced league without New Mexico State and Sam Houston involved going forward. And I think, you know, the WAC's at somewhat of a crossroads if you look at the business side of the WAC because, you know, teams like Incarnate Word and Lamar have backpedaled their way back to the Southland effective immediately. You know, let's be honest, this is all about football. That only leaves the WAC with Abilene Christian, Stephen F. Austin, Southern Utah, Tarleton, Utah Tech, and UTRGV as six football schools instead of eight, which may or may not be enough to build a, be a, a legitimate conference at the FBS level. If there is continuous doubt in the fact that the WAC can be FBS, things will start to come apart at the seams even further potentially more teams going to Conference USA or back to Southland. That would be very problematic for the progress that they've made here in the last year. I am concerned about it from that level, but I do think shaking things up and doing something creative with basketball, getting some extra media attention, you know, all the major national media outlets reported on this. Any publicity is good publicity if you're the whack right now, because you need that football arm if you want to get to where you're going as a whole. Yep, no question about it. Football is where the majority of money in college sports is made. It's football number one college basketball number two and you do have some niche markets out there like i used to do vanderbilt athletics i used to actually be at the official home of vanderbilt athletics out there in nashville and i mean baseball winds up bringing in a little bit of money for them no doubt uconn has a tremendous women's program that has really done an amazing job of being able to build up their stature just across all sports as well. But I mean, when it comes down to it, it's football number one, college basketball number two, and then everything else, if you're able to make any money out of pretty much any of those other programs, you're doing pretty well with it. And we do pretty well whenever you join this podcast, Rocco. You're doing a great job. Take a look at all these schedules that we're going to be getting for the upcoming season. You want delivering the news of the Maui Invitational, all that we're going to be getting there. And I know you're doing a great job except for what is going to be, in my opinion, an amazing college basketball season. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow all your work on social media and other platforms. Appreciate that, Greg. Appreciate all your hard work as well. You do a great job running this podcast daily. It always blows my mind. For my work, you can follow me at RockwellMiller8, as you said, on Twitter. You can follow me on my website, bracketeer.org. Quite a few things in the pipe. 
you know, more and more conference pages are getting released as they're completed. We're not waiting for the full schedules to come out. So it's a good way to track your favorite team schedule as we go. By the end of the summer, you'll be able to see, if not all the 32 leagues, most of the 32 leagues, and also some great notes for the future in terms of what tournaments teams are going to next year and any other notes that might be out there and available. Also, we're doing a state of the program series where, you know, later this week, we'll do a feature on the Davidson Wildcats under new head coach, Matt McKillop. So be on the lookout for that as well. We will have a couple other new staff members at, at the website will be kind of a first for us. We'll be introducing that later in August and uh, just all sorts of good stuff going on as we build up for the start of the 22-23 season. It is absolutely going to be an amazing season and Rocco does a great job with his bracketology work once we get in season and right now he's doing a great job of being able to release all these schedules. Let us know what we're going to be getting in November and December when teams try to be able to make their push, try to be able to build themselves up a nice resume to be able to get themselves into the ultimate bracket and be able to get themselves not just a ticket into the field of 68 for some of these teams, but for some of these teams, the difference between being a three seed and a four seed, because we know that when it comes to the NCAA tournament, so much of it winds up coming down to the draw. I say it every single year on this podcast that it's not necessarily the top team that winds up getting there, but Sometimes it's a team with the easiest run to the Final Four and with the best matchups that winds up getting there. And so much of that, it is based on how they wind up being able to set themselves up in season via their scheduling. And Rocco does a great job of being able to pass along all that news and always brings it on this podcast. A big thanks to him for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what I mean for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUNet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters here. They mean it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'm going to be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast during the offseason. All the news and notes of college basketball, along with conference previews. Metro Atlantic is going to be coming within the next 48 hours. I don't know if I'll be able to get it done for tomorrow or not, but I'm going to do my very best. And then once we wind up getting in-season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I will be chatting with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.